Are you with me in Isaiah 53? If you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor. Again, I want to talk to you about the good news about the good news. Well, what's the good news? Well, before we read Isaiah 53, it's the gospel. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, this gospel which I preach to you. Everyone say the gospel. That means the good news. This good news that I preach to you is basically this. It's what we've been talking about, especially in this Advent season, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One-third of the Gospels has to deal with the last week of the life of Christ because that's what it's all been about all along. Are you with me? That's what it's all been about all along. And from, you know, after the Gospels, it was about the church taking what they had received, that Gospel. That's what Paul said, this Gospel I preach to you, which you receive and which you stand, this is it. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the good news. Everyone said that's good news. This morning, I want to give you some more good news about the good news, and it begins in Isaiah 53. I'm going to read 11 verses, if you can handle it with me. As you know, this is a prophecy concerning the, the purpose of God for all the earth. Uh, and uh, here it says this, Isaiah said, who has believed our report? Let me just stop and say, some have actually called Isaiah the gospel of Isaiah, because it is replete, if you will, filled, jam-packed with prophetic insight about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, notice the big H, for he shall grow up before him. Notice the big H. I could say it this way, for Jesus shall grow up before God. Are you with me? As a tender plant, as, as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form or comeliness that when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely, everyone say surely. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Everybody say amen to that. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, or God laid on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who, was, and, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they have made his grave with the wicked, but the rich at his death, but with the rich at his death, because he has done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put, he has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. 
He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his land. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. Somebody say amen. And he shall bear their iniquities. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for the good news. And Lord, let us embrace the good news about the good news today. In Jesus' name, everybody said one more amen. You know, the death and the, and, and the betrayal and the, and the cruel crucifixion of Jesus Christ was traumatizing, to say the least, to his family and friends, to the disciples. It was a traumatic experience. And when you read through these gospels, in a sense, it doesn't really even do it justice when it simply says he was crucified. It, it doesn't describe the, 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 the totality of what that means. But for Mary, the mother of Jesus, it was traumatizing to her soul, even though in her heart she had a faith that God had a plan. Everyone say God has a plan. And even the possibility or, uh, in, before Jesus was even crucified, it was traumatizing even of him to think and ponder the pathway he was about to go. And that's why he prayed there, as it were, with uh, agonizing, with uh, sweating, as it were, great drops of blood because the thought of his pathway of his death and his crucifixion and his trouble and his trauma was traumatizing even to the Lord. Aren't you glad he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In John 20, verse 11, even Mary Magdalene, it says this, after Jesus died and was buried, she stood out by the tomb weeping. She had lost the Lord. She was traumatized by his crucifixion. The disciples, of course, had been traumatized. And they were, in fact, in hiding in fear of their own lives, thinking possibly we may be next. They're going to track us all down. And we're all going to end up with that cruel fate of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think of Peter, who even before Jesus died, experienced a great trauma of life when he betrayed the Lord. The Bible says he went out and wept bitterly not just because of the Lord's pain and sorrow, but because of what he had caused the Lord in pain and suffering. By denying his Lord, he was traumatized. But I have some good news about the good news. Somebody smile and say amen. In fact, tell somebody there's good news about the good news. There's some good news about this news. Janet, did y'all get a text this morning? <laughs> I don't know if y'all texting. We, we text our friends who we were missing this morning in church. Glad you're here. And let me say this statement. Listen carefully. There's no trauma. Listen right here. There's no trauma or trial or trouble or trial of affliction that the resurrected Christ cannot touch. In fact, we'll look at the scripture in a moment, but it says this in Hebrews that, that, uh, it, it's really, it's impossible is what it means for the, our high priest to not be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He sympathizes and he's caring. He has compassion upon the circumstances of our life. And there's no trouble or trauma or trial of affliction that the resurrected Christ cannot touch. Somebody say amen. 
And this Isaiah 53 passage says it wonderfully. How many of you know the Bible says that we're basically three parts? We're body. Everybody paints yourself body. You're a body. You're a soul. And most people define soul as your mind, your will, your emotions. It's your personality. How many of you know uh, if we didn't have a soul, uh, we'd all be one just kind of robotic uh all the same kind of, you know, but we are all individuals. We're all created uniquely different. We all have our very own fingerprint. Are you with me? Say amen. You're the, you're you. Everybody say, I'm me and I'm wonderful because God don't make no junk. That's us. God made us. He made us with a, with a soul and with a body, but but more importantly than that, he made us with a spirit. We, the Bible says there's a spirit in man. But what happened when sin came along, we died spiritually. You see, before you give your life to Christ and he comes and breathes in you, like how many of you know when, when Adam was created, what happened? God did what? He breathed into him the breath of life. And when you're born again, the second man, Adam, that is Jesus, the Bible says, he comes and he breathes life into you. And your life, you are what we call born again. All the born again people smile and say, hallelujah. And your spirit is life. So we are basically three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And there's no part of who you are that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ cannot touch and help and heal and be made whole. We see it here in this passage. Our spirit, what has, what caused us to die spiritually? Sin entered in. Are you with me? Sin did what? It separated us from God and, and we died spiritually. We're spiritually dead. The Bible says in Ephesians and other places, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. All the people who were formerly dead in your trespasses and sins say, that's me. And so Jesus came along and this prophetic insight, look here in verse five, it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In fact, verse 5 says this, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. In other words, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ came to deal with the fact that we were spiritually dead and our sins had separated us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Look in verse six, all we like sheep have gone astray. In other words, we're separated from the shepherd. Sin separated us from the shepherd. And it says this, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, the reason God had, in a sense, turn his back on his son because all he could see was the sins of the whole world. And so the good news about the good news is that our spirit man can be reborn and we can be born again. Everybody say amen. amen. So that, that trauma of separation from God, that sin has in, 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 invaded and in, in, imputed, if you will, into our lives because of our sinfulness, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ has come to help us and touch us at the place of our greatest point of need. Are you with me? Say amen. 
And I love what this passage in Isaiah, this prophetic insight about that death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ not only touches our spirit, but touches our soul. Verse 4 says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This grief, this word grief uh, has a kind of a broad understanding. Uh, how many of you, there's a lot of different things that, that brings grief in our life. But the Bible says he took that upon himself. And one of the understandings of this word grief is anxiety, malady, and calamity. We live in a world that is filled with anxiety. There's gazillions of dollars made upon the anxiety of, of humanity. Not only from the drug companies, but counselors and doctors. And, and we thank God for all those options and opportunities. But I came to tell you today that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he, or when he paid the price with his wounds and with his, when he, with his death and then his ultimate resurrection, he not only came to resurrect your spirit, but he came to touch your soul and heal you on the inside. And deal with the issues that are on the inside of our life that sometimes, pardon me, no one knows about. He heals our mind. In fact, Romans says he can give us a new mind. How many of you appreciate that? Before you gave your life to Christ and even in the process of sanctification, how many of you know there's a lot of us we deal with stinking thinking? How many of you ever had stinking thinking? Man, sometimes I have to realize that's stinking thinking. You can't think that way. Jesus came and he, he's, he, he can't, it's impossible for him to not be moved and touched and be sympathetic towards the infirmities of the soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, the traumas of life. And if you look at the resurrected Christ, even with the disciples, he came and he dealt with the traumas and the troubles and the loss of their life. I love one of the first words Jesus said. Uh, I think it's to Mary Magdalene, who, by the way, was weeping by the tomb. You know, one of the first words, oh, I'm, I may be butchering this. It might have been the angel, but I think it was Jesus. The, it was the word rejoice. Somebody say Rejoice. What was that word, uh, whether it was with an, from an angel or from the Lord? I don't have time to look it up, but what was that word? It was a healing balm to the soul. Amen. In fact, the Bible says about the resurrection and the disciples, it says when they, in, in the last part of Matthew, before the Great Commission, it says, and many believed and worshipped him. My friend, that's, that's some healing of the soul. Sorrows, anguish. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That means anguish and affliction. And all of us on some level have been grieved and sorrowful. And I came to tell you today that the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ can touch the, the traumas not only of our spirit, but the trauma of our soul. Look in verse 5. It says this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Catch this. The chastisement, and basically reads like this, the chastisement that was needed to obtain our peace was upon him. He paid for our peace on Calvary's cross. And I don't want to be too critiquing here today. 
But when we don't walk in the peace of God, it's an affront to the price he paid. How many of you know he can speak peace to the storms of our life? He deals with the traumas of our soul. And of course, the traumas of our body. We're body, soul, and spirit. That verse 5 says, by his stripes, we are healed. Everyone say, we are healed. And though this has a broad understanding too, it could be mental healing, it could be emotional healing, uh, it could be spiritual healing, but my friend, it infers uh, physical healing just as much as it would infer spiritual or emotional or soul health and wholeness because that word healed means cured, mended as by a physician. And we have called him now the great physician. And what did Jesus spend much of his earthly ministry doing in preparation to paying the price, healing and touching the bodies of those who were sick and infirm? And today we embrace the reality that the price he paid would touch and, 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 and help and heal and make whole every part of our being. Somebody say amen. I love what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.20. We'll refer to it again in a moment. Paul says this to the Thessalonians. He says, now may the God of peace. This is almost like his, it is uh, just a few verses away from the end of his letter. It's as a benediction to these people. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Somebody say completely. Set you apart completely holy and may your whole spirit, not part of your spirit, may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying there? God wants to touch every area of our life. You see, he wants you to be born again. He wants you to find forgiveness of sin. He wants you to be restored into a right relationship with him. But he also wants you to be healed and restored and made whole in your soul, in your mind, in your will, and in your emotions, and also in your body. He wants to touch every area of our life. Are you with me? Say amen. That's the good news about the good news. Everybody tell somebody that's good news. That's really good news. You don't have to live with fear and doubt. You don't have to live with traumas of the soul. You don't have to live with the pain of grief and sorrow and carry it with you. For my Bible tells us he carried it for us. Amen. Now let me say it another way today for you and kind of help you. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me kind of give you another way of saying it. At number one, uh, it has sacrificially redeemed us. Everyone say, I've been redeemed. Verse seven, he's talking about he was oppressed and he was afflicted as yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. What's the reference there? It's about the sacrifice for sin. Jesus came as the sacrificed lamb. 
as the sacrificial sheep, if you will, to redeem us and pay the price that was necessary to buy us back. Are you with me? First Peter chapter one. If you want to be a Bible student, turn to the right. First Peter chapter one. We referenced it, I think, last Sunday. Let me do so again. It says this in verse 18. And I love the first two words, or the first word really, knowing. Everyone say knowing. There's some things you and I need to know about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the first one is this, that he sacrificially redeemed us. He says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Somebody say amen. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ has sacrificially redeemed us. Take another right. Keep going. Uh, uh, Take a left and go to Hebrews. Is Hebrews left or right? Hebrews is left. Hebrews chapter 9. Look at this same exact understanding here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12 says this. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Catch verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Everybody say eternal redemption. You see, the blood of bulls and goats was temporary redemption. Every year, the priest had to go back and make a sacrificial, they had to continue to make sacrificial atonement for the sins of the people of God. But Jesus came. Look in verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies from the purifying of the flesh, how much more, everybody say how much more. I love the blood, how much more. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Everybody say amen. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ sacrificially redeemed us, paid for us through his shed blood. Number two, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ has supernaturally raised us. We've been raised, the Bible says, into newness of life. If you read through the scriptures, you're going to discover if you go back to, in fact, I hope you have your Bible and you're ready to uh, get ready to rumble through scripture here for a moment. Uh, Romans 6 says this. It says, for if we have been united together, verse 5, in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, I missed a good part here. Go back to verse four. Therefore, we were buried buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Everybody say newness of life. And baptism is a picture of being raised to walk in newness of life. And we know by the glory, how was Jesus raised? By the glory of the Father, it says. In fact, Romans chapter 8, take a right. You've read this, you've heard it. 
uh, verse 11. But if the spirit of him, big H, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ provides for us a supernatural resurrection of our own life as well. Are you with me? One more time. Let's do it. Let's be Bible students. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Let me show you this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 2. What does it say in verse 12? It says, we're buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive. Somebody say amen. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. So the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ What has it done for us? It has sacrificially redeemed us. Number two, supernaturally raised us. We were dead. How many of you know resurrection is always a miracle? OMG. Everybody say OMG. I got to say, and I don't know if it's even showing. I'm sure you can find it somewhere, but the the Christian movie uh, Breakthrough, the little boy was basically dead for nearly, maybe over an hour. It was, it was 45 to 50 minutes. And now he was, they were doing CPR on him, but when he came out of the water, this is a true story. He had been in the water for over 12, 15 minutes, I think. I can't remember my numbers. How many of you know, uh, that's dead? There's no pulse. There's no heartbeat. There's no breath. He was dead. And they rushed him. The doctors gave up on him after, after having done CPR for nearly an hour probably. Jan, if you've seen the movie, it, it was, and then mama shows up. How many of you appreciate a praying mama? <laughs> I had a praying mama who believed in Jesus. And praying mama got in there and she spoke life over her dead son. No pulse, hooked up to the machines. And all of a sudden, boop, 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 boop. That's a miracle. And even though we may not have been raised from the dead biologically, we were dead spiritually. And the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ allowed us the opportunity to not only uh, have be, be sacrificially redeemed, but supernaturally raised to begin to walk in a new life here in this life. Amen. Number three, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has not only sacrificially redeemed us and supernaturally raised us, but that resurrection has systematically restored us. That's what we were talking about earlier. That First Thessalonians 5.20, it says this, He may sanctify you completely. Everyone say completely. 
are holy. And may your whole spirit, not, not just part of who you are, but your whole spirit, soul, and body. See, the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ was not haphazard. There was system and structure and purpose and plan. And the purpose of God was to restore you. <coughs> body, soul, and spirit. Back not only into a whole man, a complete person but restore you back into right relationship with him. Amen? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body. It was a systematic plan of God to bring restoration. And listen carefully. God wants to restore every area of our life. In fact, the Bible says he wants to restore what the enemy has stolen from us. And the resurrection, and we'll talk about this more next Sunday, the resurrection brings great restoration into areas of our life that we thought maybe were impossible. Peter is a wonderful example. Peter got the accolades of the Lord when he says, who, who do people say that I am? Some say I'm this, some say I'm that. Peter says, you're the Lord. You're the Christ. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You've got a revelation of who I am. A few hours later, he's getting rebuked by the Lord. I mean, that's the way we all are. We're, we have our good days and our bad days, right? One day, we're, we got it. And then Peter, of course, I will never deny you. We used to sing a little song. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Peter hadn't, didn't have Sunday school back then and learned that. And he popped off. I'll never do that. And we know the story that before the rooster crowed, he had denied the Lord three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. He is traumatized. And I'm telling you, even though Jesus rose from the dead, the process of, of, of Peter's restoration was in fact a process. But you see, in John 21, the resurrected Christ walks back into his life. In fact, what had Peter done? He had already reverted back to his old life of fishing. And oh, by the way, he wasn't a very good one at that. Because we never find Peter catching fish or netting fish in his own strength and being very successful at it. Every time Jesus walked into his world, uh, they had fished all night and caught nothing. And Peter's out fishing and Jesus comes, the resurrected Christ, and, and, says, and, and, and calls to them from the shore. John says, I think it's the Lord. Peter strips down to his undies, evidently, jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. You see, just because you made some mistakes doesn't mean you can't get back to him. Many people are hiding from God because of what they've done. They think they are. I heard an old gospel song. It says, come out of that corner. You can't hide. <laughs> You can't hide from God, but people hide. Peter didn't hide from the Lord. He knew he had blown it, but he swam to the Lord and he and 
the Lord began to have a convo. Interesting thing about Peter, and I've talked to him many t- about him many times. Jesus changed his name back when he got that right. When he got the, the question right, who do men say that I am? Some say I'm this, but who do you say? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did Jesus do? He changed his name that day, you remember? In fact, Simon means read. R-E-E-D, not like read in a name, but a read. Uh, just, uh, it's like, in fact, the scripture says uh, that we shouldn't be blown about uh, like a reed, considering it an unstable and an unsecure thing. Don't be tossed about like a, by the winds of life like a reed. And here Simon's name is reed. Jesus comes and says, I'm changing your name. You're no longer a reed. You're now a what? You're a rock. Everyone say from reed to rock. How many of you know, in fact, it says this, if you read the Greek there in in Matthew where he changed his name, he basically says it this way. I'm going to begin to call you what you will one day be. I appreciate that. How many of you know God looks at us not as how we are, but how we will become and we're a process? Are you with me? When I was just a scrawny kid, he called me a preacher of the gospel. He called me to be a preacher and he declared the, per- and man, he began to call me what I would one day be. And that's what he did with Peter. And, and we know the story. Now you get back to John 21 interesting, Jesus calls him Simon. Hey, Reed, you're not quite a rock yet. You're still a reed, aren't you? But then he said, do you love me? Do you agape me? And we know that is the highest form of love. And Simon was very honest. He knew his reedness. He said, no, I, 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 I phileo you. That means brotherly, the city of brotherly love. And Jesus asked him three times, do you agape me? Well, no, I just phileo you. I just phileo you. I'm not there yet, God. Basically what Jesus is saying, I just needed you to be honest about who you are. I still know what you're going to become, but right now you're still a reed. Now go feed my sheep. What did Jesus, the resurrected Christ, do? He systematically began to restore him relationally with God, ministerially with his purpose on planet earth, psychologically with who he is. The resurrected Christ came into Peter's life and touched him in every area of his life. And we know the story how the resurrected Christ ascended to the Father and the Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 1 and 2 and Peter gets up and he has become a rock. The resurrection of Jesus Christ will transform you and restore you to your place of God's purpose for your life. Amen. You see, the death, burial, and the resurrection 
has sacrificially redeemed us, supernaturally raised us, and systematically restored us. And number four, and I inferred this a few moments ago, sympathetically returned us. Let me show you this in Scripture. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Maybe I read it. Take a right. Go back to Hebrews. I love the, this passage of Scripture. Hebrews 4 says this about the, the resurrected Christ and His power in our life. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. What's that a reference to? His ascension. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Now catch this in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. King James says, be touched, I think, with the feelings of our infirmities. Now, New King James, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Everyone say weaknesses. Did you know you were created with weaknesses? Nobody here, okay. You remember Moses? Moses, you remember Moses? God came to Moses, and I'm not being critical of people who stammer. He was a he had a stammering tongue. Stacy's a speech pathologist. She works with little kids. Some are are just don't even talk. She deals with them. Moses needed a Stacy in his life, but when Stacy wasn't there, uh, he had to embrace his weaknesses. And 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 the God said, Moses said, I can't I can't do this. I have weaknesses. You know what God said to him? Who made your mouth, young man? Who made the affirmed? I made you that way. You see, God made us with weakness so we would have to trust him. And the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, now he's ascended to the Father. The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. And he is moved with compassion. He, his, 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 his sympathy towards us is made manifest by his continual prayers over us. And he has sympathetically returned us. Now look at verse 16. Oh, well, let me finish verse 14. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so because of that, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. What was torn at the death of Christ? The, the veil between man and the manifest presence of God. Symbolic of what Christ has done. He has returned us to the place where we can come boldly into the presence of God. Therefore, let us come boldly, verse 16, to the throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Restored us to our predetermined place and position with God. How many of you know we have a position as children of God? Let me show it to you. Take a left and go to Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Where is God? Let me show you where Jesus is. He ascended to the, the Father. Uh, and so look what it says this. Uh, mm, I'm going to jump into the middle of a prayer here. In verse 20, Paul is praying for the Ephesians. 
And he talks about verse 19 and what is, ex- he, he wants us to know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. That's where Jesus is. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing? He's ever living, the Bible says, to make intercession for us. Why? Because he's moved. Uh, he, he's not a high priest who cannot be moved with and sympathize with the feelings of our infirmities. And in verse 21, his position is far above. Everyone say far above. I like this. This is how, this is where G, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named only in this, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills us all in all. You see God's, you see Jesus position. That's a great position to be in. Now look in chapter two. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy. Well, verse 1 says we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Somebody say amen. By grace you've been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together. There's that supernatural resurrection. And made us, here it is, sit together in heavenly places in Christ. How did that happen? Through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Restored us to our rightful place. You say, wait, pastor, my condition is this, this, and this. Man, I, I, I get what you're saying here, but I'm not experiencing this resurrected life and this seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality and power. And, and I'm dealing with some issues. Let me tell you something. The more you understand your position, the more it will impact your condition. The more we embrace what the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ has done for us and realize, man, it has restored me back to my rightful place as a child of God, not rightful because of what I've done, but rightful place because of what he has done. Hey, before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the cool of the day in perfect harmony and fellowship. And that's what the good news has done for us has sacrificially redeemed us, supernaturally raised us, systematically restored us body, soul, and spirit. And sympathetically, because of his compassion and love for us, returned us to our place, seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. How many of you thank God for the cross? for the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we've got a few moments. I want to do something today. How many of you know some people who could use the benefit of what the death, burial, and the resurrection has provided? This world needs the good news. There may be some family members in your life who are spiritually separated from God. You may have some friends that you know, family members, you know that if they died today, you would have serious concern about whether or not they would 
go to heaven. You may have some friends or family members who have physical infirmities. You may have friends or family members and people you know at work who's got soul sickness. They struggle with depression. They struggle with with all kinds of inner turmoil and trauma in their life. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has appropriated provision for the traumas of this life. What I want us to do in this moment is think about that, ponder that. If you've got some areas in your life or you have friends and family, here's what I want us to do. Come and pray in this altar. Then at your leisure, you can come and take a pen. Write a name, write a situation, write an issue. If it's about you, it doesn't have to be personal. Write it. Take a pen. And nail it to the cross. And for however many days, we're going to keep praying. I've already put one up. Many of you may know the Bronsons, Tess and her kids, Gwen and Richard. Their dad has been sent home to die. Cancer is spread. No treatment. I pinned Joe to the cross. This afternoon, I'm going to go sit down with Joe and make sure He knows that he knows that if he passes from this life, he'll go into eternity with Christ. I'm praying for Joe. And so today, let's do it this way. Um, A couple of you guys, just pass out some of these. Let's stand together. I want you to think about who you want to bring to the cross. As you take this card, I want you to think about who Jesus is thinking about. People who are lost, people who are sick, people who are infirm, people who need a healing in their soul. Maybe even people who are offended at you. It's hard to be offended back if you're praying for them. And so as the Lord lays somebody or even something in your own life on your heart that you know Jesus wants to tend to, understand he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that was needed to obtain our peace was upon him and by his stripes were healed. Lord, I thank you that we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Lord, speak to us about who you're concerned about. Let the burden of the Lord be upon us. As the Lord lays somebody or some circumstance on your heart, I'm going to ask you to come take a pen and just... And just pin it to the cross and just spend a little time here in the altar praying over that circumstance. Let's do that right now. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross.
Thank you, Jesus, for the price you paid. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrificial redemption. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come right on as God lays somebody, something on your heart. Just come pin it to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the redemption of God. Thank you for restoration, Lord. Thank you for restoring us, Lord, body, soul, and spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for the power. Thank you for the good news about the good news. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, may the burden of the Lord be upon us. If you need a healing in your body, Jim's here, I'm here. We want to pray for you. The Bible says we can come and pray. Prayer of faith will save the sick. If you need a healing, we're going to appropriate the power of the cross for you. Anybody? Anybody need a healing in their body? Amen. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank If you're here grieving and you're carrying carrying sorrow and grief, just let it lift off of you for he carried your sorrows. If you struggle mentally or emotionally about strongholds and things in your life that continue to pull you down, he carried it for you on the cross. God laid it upon him. Just let it go right now. Lord, the chastisement that was needed to obtain our peace was upon you. If you're here today and, and, and you lack peace in your soul, just lift your hand and say, Lord, I receive your peace in my life. I receive it today. In Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the good news about the good news. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see these needs that are being pinned to the cross, symbolically of what was nailed to the cross over 2,000 years ago. Lord, we yield ourselves and these needs. 
to the power of the cross, to the power of the resurrected Christ, to the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And for those that we're praying for that are lost and without you, we pray, God, you would send the Holy Spirit to help them, to convict them, to draw them to you, Lord Jesus. Call their name out to God right now. If you know someone, all we like sheep have gone astray, but if you know someone especially who is strayed from the fold of God's governance and guidance in their life, call their name out to God and ask the Holy Spirit. Right now, Holy Spirit, have your way in their life. Lord, if there are people in our church who are being drawn away, that are straying from the gospel, straying from the truth of God in their life. I pray, God, you would speak to them right now. You would send angels, Lord, to stop them. Lord, even a talking donkey. Lord, to turn them from their ways, Lord God. Maybe a big fish, whatever it is, God. We pray they would be drawn back to you. People who are running from you, let them begin to run to you. And Lord, for those that may be here today who struggle with soul sickness, we pray a healing of the mind, a healing of the soul, a healing of our emotions. Let the healing power of God wash over us today. In Jesus' name, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to close with a verse. I got close to it earlier. Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped. Father, we worship you today. Come on, let's worship him. We worship the resurrected Christ. We bless your name, oh God. We give you glory today, God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for these prayer requests. We thank you for these intercessions, Lord, that have been nailed. Lord, I pray right now over them. Lift your hands towards the cross. This symbolizes the price he paid. Lord, we pray for these, Lord. Salvation, healing, Lord, help and wholeness, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in their lives, Lord. Let your name be lifted up in their life. Lord, don't let them stray any further away from you. Say that out loud to whoever you're praying for. Lord, don't let them stray away any further. Lord God, bring them home. Bring the prodigals home, Lord. Bring the lost home. Lord, bring those wayward sheep home, Lord, to you, God, to experience the glory of your forgiveness and your redemption and your restoration and your resurrected power, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Whoo, we're going to keep doing this. Amen. How many of you appreciate the good news about the good news? 
Now, I want you to do something this week. Go tell some people some good news. How many of you got friends and family who are not here have soul sickness? You got anybody that has soul sickness? Come on. They got em- emotional issues. They got fear issues. They got, they got, uh, tra- they've been traumatized. Okay, whatever it is. Take this message to them. In fact, if you want to, want to preach it to them, go to Facebook and, and get online and say, listen, you got to hear this. It'll help you. It'll heal you. Jesus took it on the cross. He was hung up for our hang-ups. Take it to your friends and family. And let's continue to let the good news about the good news generate more good news. Everybody say amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Turn around and love some folks.